Hey everyone, and welcome back to the show. My name is Jessica Stevens, the host of I Just Blank Now What? Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining me today for another amazing Now What Wednesday story. Today on the show, I have a really special guest. I know every single week I tell you that I have a special guest, but it's true because they all really are special because they are bringing their own stories to the show and sharing their experiences, and that truly is a special gift from them to all of you. So today, my guest Emily is going to be sharing a very interesting story, and it has to do with the passing of her mother, as well as fulfilling her mother's dying wish. It's to finish a novel that her mother had started writing. And now it is a published piece of work out in the world, and Emily is just so proud of the fact that she could actually fulfill this wish that her mom left her after passing away. This is a really juicy, exciting story, so I'm not going to talk too much. Let's get to the now what. But before I do that, let's learn a little bit about Emily. She was born in Aspen, Colorado, where she enjoyed skiing, dancing, ballet, and playing golf. At the age of 13, she and her family moved to Pinehurst, North Carolina. She attended UNC Chapel Hill and graduated with a degree in journalism and mass communications with a concentration in public relations. She began her career in the marketing department at the PGA Tour before moving on to traditional agency work and not-profit grant writing. Today, Emily owns her own freelance marketing and advertising business. She currently resides in Raleigh, North Carolina with her husband and son. Emily enjoys playing golf running, kickboxing, reading, and spending time with her family. Finishing her mother's work has been one of her greatest honors in life. And a little bit about Marilyn, Emily's mom. She was born in Southern California and spent her formative years in San Francisco Bay Area with her parents and her older sister. She graduated from the University of California, Berkeley with a degree in sociology and received an advanced degree in elementary education. After moving with her husband to Aspen, Colorado, Marilyn spent the next 20 years as a public school teacher, an elementary education consultant, and lecturer. She and her family moved to Pinehurst, North Carolina in 1996, and shortly thereafter was diagnosed with breast cancer and advanced ovarian cancer. She began writing The Birds of Paradise as a gift for her daughter, Emily. She passed away in 2012, leaving the novel unfinished for Emily to complete. So without further ado, let's get to the now what? Have you ever had a situation happen in your life that you weren't expecting, good or bad, and said to yourself or out loud, oh my gosh, I just fill in the blank, now what? Me too, friend, me too. I've had quite a few actually, and in the moment, I never knew what I was gonna do next. Of course, I had to figure it out, sometimes the hard way, but I did figure it out. So join me and some amazing guests this season as we all share our own, I just, blank, now what stories, so we can all learn from their transformational lessons to help us all answer that lifelong and often paralyzing question, now what? Well, hello, Emily. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. I'm excited to be here. Okay, so right before this, I tell everybody a little bit about you and give them, you know, your full bio, which is fun. But I always ask guests to share a little bit about themselves in their own words. What do you want the people out there to know about Emily Johnson? 
<laughs> That's a loaded question. Um, well, I hey, and the answers always are very different from my guests. Some people imagine. tell me about their pets and their kids. Other people tell me all sorts of stuff. So yeah, tell me about you. Well, I am originally from Colorado, but I've been out on the East Coast since I was 13. So I'm not going to tell you exactly how long that is. I don't want to reveal my age, but it's been a while. I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina, and my background is marketing and advertising. And I've done that for nonprofit, for the PGA Tour. I'm a huge golfer, and I've got a wonderful husband and a crazy seven-year-old boy. And you know, I'm just living life. Yeah. <laughs> Living life. That is a good thing. Most people are like, yeah, and we're just kind of going through the motions. But no, I love the fact that you said, and we're living life because that truly is the gift that we get every day yes. when we wake up, right? Yep. Cool. All right. So yes, you and I connected on a platform. I saw that you were in marketing and advertising. Obviously that is my background too. And so I'm like, oh, we are kindred spirits and sisters here. So we <laughs> definitely need to talk. And then you shared this kind of cool story with me about how you became a published author through this request for your mom. So you're going to be sharing your, I just fulfilled my mom's dying wish. Now what story? Which is so cool because I know that when parents move on and pass away, you know, there's lots of emotions as we go through grief. So I'm really interested to hear how you use this book and finishing this book as part of your grief process. But anyways, I'm going to hand it over to you. Take us back. Tell us, you know, how did this all come to be? Did you know your mom was writing this book? How did this all unfold? Well, to properly tell a story, we're going to have to go back to when I was 13. Again, a long time ago. It was only a few months after we had moved from Colorado to North Carolina, and my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And it's being 13, hearing that, you know, the people that you think are invincible may not be invincible and being faced with what to me was not possible in my life. Um, to, you know, at a moment in my life where you really need your mother. So she, you know, she dealt with the breast cancer. She had uh, the tumor removed and did radiation. We went on two years after that, she was diagnosed with advanced stage ovarian cancer. And statistically, she was not supposed to be able to make it. The doctors had said, you know, you've got maybe a year, two years, but you need to start wrapping up your affairs and prepare for this. So suddenly we were faced with the fact that chances are she was not going to be there to see me graduate from high school or get married or go to college or any of that. And so she was an incredibly strong woman. She refused to be a statistic. She found doctors that would look at her as an individual and not a statistic. And she just said, I'm not going to go. There's no way I'm going. I will go when I'm ready to go, not when cancer is ready to take me. And you better make sure I'm there to watch my daughter walk down the aisle. And being 15 at the time, that was pretty long order. Um, and so when she got diagnosed with this ovarian cancer, she started writing a book and she spent hours writing, researching on her computer, typing away. And I asked her all the time what she was doing. She just said, I'm writing a book, but she would never tell me what it's about. She'd just say someday I'd know. And she'd never let anybody read it. All I knew was it was called Bird of Paradise. That was it. And so, you know, fast forward many, many years, she was there to see me walk down the aisle, completely defied any statistic given to her. She'd had eight some odd surgeries, 
many reoccurrences, a lot of chemotherapy, you know, through her diagnoses seemed to hit right when my final exams were always coming up. So I spent a lot of time in the hospital room studying for my exams, but she was a patient at UNC Chapel Hill and I was a student at UNC Chapel Hill. So we kind of worked together on that. She'd quiz me and make sure that I didn't screw up my exams just because she was going through cancer treatments that wasn't acceptable in the household. That was not going to be the excuse of no, why you failed no high school. Excuse, no excuse whatsoever. And then, you know, things kind of went on. I mean, she continued to write this book. You know, I got married. I moved. I got a job out of college at the PGA Tour. So I moved to Florida and I was there for several years and everything seemed normal. And then she got diagnosed again. So that kind of prompted me to move back to North Carolina, which I'm oh so grateful for because I got this chance to be with her. And then in December of 2012, out of the blue, I knew she wasn't feeling well. She ended up in the hospital. And the day before Christmas, we ended up having to put her on life support. And three days later, we had to take her off and she passed away. And, and it was shocking because for all these years having cancer and then the end was just like that. I mean, it was just over. And it's kind of something you always hope is going to happen. You don't want to see somebody, you know, go downhill for a long period of time. Several days after she passed away, I found a letter she had left for me and it had a copy of her manuscript, which was not finished. And in the letter, she said, you know, to quote it, I know now this is where my story ends. I hope you'll pick it up and finish it with yours. And I, I mean, I talk about being overwhelmed. <laughs> Just the sheer amount of uh, surprise, tears, joy, every emotion you can possibly think of um, hit me all at that one time. And uh, and so I sat down and I wrote and it took me eight years to finish it. And it got published in March 29th of 2021, which was her 71st birthday. Wow. Oh my goodness. So do you think she knew all along that she was not going to finish it and she was going to let you finish it? Yes, I do. I mean, this story, once I got a chance to read it, I really realized the purpose behind the story was less about her getting to write and more about her putting into words all the things that she would want me to know that she may not get a chance to tell me. So even though it's a fictional book, in it are all these little life lessons and experiences that were partially based on her life or things that a mother wants to pass out to a daughter without leaving it in the, you know, typical letter kind of way. And I have no doubt in my mind that she stopped writing this at a particular point to let me finish. She never did anything unintentionally. I mean, that just wasn't who she was. She was stubborn and, you know, fully resilient. Yeah. Resilient. She was in control of yeah, everything, in control right? control of everything. So I think she stopped writing this knowing full well that I was going to need this to help me through the grief when and if she passed away. So in the end, you know, there's that black and white line that I took the story forward without any, you know, any assistance really. I mean, she, she had created all the characters except for one. All I knew was the name and who this character was supposed to be in the story, but there was nothing else left. So there was one character I got to create from scratch, but she didn't leave any notes or outline or anything. And I think that was intentional. She wanted me to be able to take the story where I wanted to take it. And in the end, it's about a 50-50 collaboration because I had to go back to what she had written and make sure that the theme throughout and the events that happened all made sense to get us to where the end point was. But just the chance to to meld my words and my story with hers has been something that I will forever be grateful for. Wow. Oh my goodness. So you said she started writing this when you were a teenager. Yes. Yeah. It's so hard to kind of describe exactly what this book is because it's a coming of age family saga romance. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so, so in short, <laughs> it's life. It's a, it's a but, life book. Yeah. yeah and, and when it begins, the main character, Ariana Haywood, is 17, living in San Francisco in 1967, which is when my mom was living in San Francisco at the age of 17 as well. So there's a lot of little things in here that she's telling me about, you know, that I get a chuckle out of because I knew who she was and who my family is. But it's basically follows a decade long journey of this girl as she works to find her place in the world and what she's supposed to be and where she's supposed to be. And, you know, it's the story grows with her. So while it starts the coming of age and a family saga, she grows throughout it. And so does the genre of the book. Almost it's one of those things that if you were 17 yourself, you could read it and kind of project into the future a little bit, you know, and that really was her gift because it was a roadmap for me personally as well. And, you know, one of the things she always told me, and it featured very heavily in in both where I wrote and what she wrote was that we cannot control what happens in life, but we can control how we choose to respond to it. And that is a very large theme throughout this book. And it's finding that place where you know who you are and you like what you know, and that's when life's beautiful journey will happen. And so this is the main character's journey of getting to what my mom called sanctuary. And then, you know, and then that, not to give it away, leads to a romance. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. Okay. (laughs) So she starts writing this book when you were a teenager. At that point, did you have any idea of what you wanted to do as a career? No, kind of. I wanted to be an attorney because my father was an attorney. And so I was kind of dead set on going to law school. I went into college with the idea of being an English major and going to law school. And I ended up very far away from that. (laughs) Because yeah, you work in advertising and obviously words and writing are part of your daily skill set. And I was just wondering, like, did she know you know, that that was maybe a hidden passion of yours that you wanted to write? I don't know. I mean, I always loved English. I love to read. I was one of those weird people that loved to write school papers. <laughs> and so strange I, you know, child. I was, yeah, I know I was very strange. I always had this passion for writing. It was just never something that I would consider as a career. And oddly enough, I ended up in marketing and advertising because I was fulfilling a credit in college and ended up in a public relations course. And all of a sudden I fell in love with public relations. It was amazing. And that prompted me to change my major from pre-law English to journalism, because that's where the public relations classes were. And then it just kind of morphed from there to all kinds of communication. Wow. I love like the little Easter eggs here that you're uncovering from when you were a teenager. Your mom like set this whole thing in motion and not really knowing exactly how the story was going to end, but knew that this was going to be something that you needed later on. I love what you had said earlier about her kind of leaving this as like a little bit of a tool for you to Mm -hmm. process you know, your grief and needing it to kind of learn more about your mom and some of those stories that she might have not been able to tell you. She's now telling you all of that through the book. And it was, you know, and that's one thing that I love about it is that, you know, there's things that just made me laugh so much. And I I knew I was like, well, I could see my mom doing that as a teenager or, 
you know, the, the high school boyfriends may or may not be based on one of that I dated and I know she didn't like him now. You know, there's little things in there about my dad. The, the home that they live in in San Francisco is based on the home my dad lived in as a child because it starts in San Francisco. And so there is a lot of memories of living in San Francisco like they did and of me visiting San Francisco. A lot of the sites and things that happen are things that I experienced with my parents as well. So there's a lot of nostalgia in it that I think anybody living in that time period could also, you know, connect to as well. And then there's just a lot of, through conversations between the characters and the family dynamic, there's just a lot of those life lessons, you know, being a strong, independent woman and not relying on somebody else to make yourself feel worthy of anything, you know, learning how to make decisions not with other people, you know, when you're young, we're not obviously when you're married, you got to make decisions with your mm-hmm. husband in mind. But you know, it's, it's how many of us have basically, you know, fallen in love with somebody and all of a sudden you're making decisions based on a relationship that's not really necessarily an equal relationship. There is a huge conversation, which is why I bring that up because it is a conversation my mother and I had frequently and it appears in the book. <laughs> So, you know, and it was just a way for me to continue a conversation with my mother when she was gone. And it morphed because at first it was just reading her words and recognizing her voice and recognizing the events. And then it was trying to combine our words together. And now I have this in a tangible, you know, book where I can go back and read it anytime I feel like I miss my mom. I know, you know, all the parts and pieces of it. So if there's a a conversation or something that I remember about my mom that I just really want to emphasize at a point in my life now, Mm -hmm. I can go back that and almost reference it in a sense, you know, so to a lot of people, it's been a wonderful story, but to me, it is a reference guide for my life. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that so much. And okay. So, you know, your mom passes away. She leaves this note. She leaves you the manuscript. You find it, what, three days after she passed? Yeah, it was within the first couple weeks. Okay. Obviously, you know, you're grief-stricken. Your mom has just passed away. What were your first thoughts when you find the letter and, and the manuscript? You know, I was, I was, it was funny when I found it. I almost feel like it was her intervention as well, because the first few weeks after you lose somebody, you're just in a daze. You've got yeah. a lot of business to take care of. Casseroles are being dropped off family are there, you know, and then all of a sudden people go back to their own lives because they have to, and you're left with this, oh my gosh moment, this person's no longer here. And it's just me and my dad, I'm an only child. And so, you know, he and I all of a sudden just hit this point where it became very real. And all of a sudden I found this letter right right at that moment. So my first thought was, I just kind of remember staring at it thinking, oh my gosh, this is it. I thought, you know, I always wanted to read it. I even thought, you know, after she had passed, I got to get on her computer and find out, you know, what happened. I need to read this story. And then she had left it for me. And when she, you know, just the, I had a lot of tears at first that really had nothing to do with the the letter other than, you know, just, just seeing her her handwriting was, you know, was really just probably a trigger for the whole thing. And then I sat down and read it. And the first time I read through it, I was just amazed at how she wrote it and what she wrote. You know, she's very descriptive, very poetic, kind of almost like a movie on page. I mean, I'm probably biased, but I really enjoyed reading it. And then I got to where she ended it. And I was just like, holy cow, now what do I do? (laughs) And so then it became a way of looking at things as the conversation, like I said, going forward with her. And so it actually helped me through 
a lot of the stages of grief that I was facing at that point. Because, you know, everyone talks about grief and things, but everyone grieves in a different way. I mean, there's no one right way to do it. And just Mm -hmm. because someone's in a different part of their grief than you are does not mean you're falling behind or you don't care. You know, you just have to to work through it yourself and being able to focus on this book and focus on the story and continuing her characters was my way of really dealing with some very intense grief at the time. Working through some of the feelings I was having, being able to pull from those emotions that I was having to put into this book. I could clearly tell she had pulled from the past and from her life and I really wanted to be true to that. And so I started doing that. A lot of what I wrote in this is true experiences and places I have been and things that have happened to me. Cause I wanted to leave that for my son as well. In the course of the eight years that I wrote this book, I got pregnant. I became a mother. <laughs> He's now seven. So my mom never got a chance to meet him, but I kind of feel like this book now is the legacy of his grandmother and his mom. Oh my gosh. That is so cool to have as you said, like this legacy that he gets to one day read and learn all about her and learn about you at a stage Mm -hmm. of life when he didn't know you. Yes. It's almost a roadmap for him to get through life as well. Not that I'm planning on going anywhere anytime soon, but you never know. I realized the gift I got and I wanted to be able to pass that on to my son as well. So after you get the manuscript and you read it, you know, covered a stop point right (laughs) to a final sentence what did you do then like how did you actually prepare yourself to take over as the co-author of this beautiful story it was hard because it's marketing and advertising you're not meant to be too poetic you kind of have to tagline it say what you want to say and get out of there and so my writing style was very different than her writing style but i needed to stay true to hers because this has always been her book and her story so first i went through and just outlined it i actually within days of starting instantly knew where I wanted to take the story. So I actually wrote the end before I wrote anything else. And then I just had to figure out how to get myself to that ending and it all make cohesive sense. And it's the almost deductive reasoning. There's my law part that I love. And so I got it laid out. I got a basic storyline down there with some dialogue, some description, but certainly nothing to the level of what she'd had. And then I just had to go back over and over and over again. And I've often described it as like an oil painting where you just have to add layer and layer of paint until you have this story that makes sense that goes along with what she had written. And I had to go back and research things because this starts in 1967 and goes through a decade, but I wasn't alive in the 70s. So I had to go back and the places that I took the story and the events that occur in it, I needed to make sure those places existed and where this story ends up. You know, part of the story takes place in Venice, Italy. And I needed to make sure, even though I had been to Venice, I needed to make sure that Venice was Venice in 1977 and that what I was describing actually, you know, obviously a lot of it already existed. It's an old city, but you know, making sure that if I was describing paintings in a museum, that they were actually there in 1977. Mm -hmm. And perhaps, you know, your average reader wouldn't know whether or not it was actually there, but my mom had spent so much time researching things to make sure they were correct. I wanted to make sure that they were correct as well. You know, and it's not easy. (laughs) Well, that kind of leads me to my next question of eight years. That's a long time to take to, you know, write a book, let alone just finish a book. But I guess as they say, restoring a building takes more time than building a brand new one. 
Well, yes. Yeah. And that did, I mean, there was a lot of, you know, once I wrote it, then I had to go back and make sure that it made sense and that the characters were who I thought the characters were because it's a very intricate story. And and I didn't write, you know, for eight years straight, you know, I had a baby and then I went back to work for a nine to five job for a while. And then I left that to be a stay at home mom and then started my own marketing and advertising business from home. So there was a lot that went on and that happened in those eight years, but I had to put it away for a while. But then I ran into the thing that I think is very common among writers is I didn't know when to stop. I didn't know when to end it. I could have gone back over and over and over again and refined this and refined that. And there's still parts of it where I wish, oh gosh, I I should have said it this way, or this should have happened, or this word would have been better. You know, I constantly woke up in the middle of the night with an idea and I quickly sent myself an email from my phone at two in the morning because inevitably I was going to forget it within minutes. Mm -hmm. And the first draft of this looks very different from what it turned out to be. And so that's kind of why eight years of it, you know, and I hate to admit it, but I think it was also because I didn't want to say goodbye. The second I typed the end, that was a part of my life with my mother that was going to, to end and the next, you know, journey was going to begin, but it was hard for me to say goodbye. That makes total sense to me of you not wanting to finish it because then the bond that you have over co-writing this book together mm-hmm. comes to an end and you're like, she's really gone now. Yeah. Yeah. When I finished, I didn't intend to publish it. That was the furthest thing from my mind. So, you know, a, a gift again, the second journey of the gift was that I just happened to be in the right place at the right time and a publisher read it and wanted to publish it. And so now I almost feel like I'm still connected to my mother because I'm publishing this book. I'm marketing this book. I'm living, you know, to basically help get this book out there and share the story of my mother and the inspiration behind it. So now I'm still connected to her. So it Mm -hmm. didn't really end when I said the end, it just went to a new phase. Wow. So your mom, do you think she had intentions of it ever getting published? I think she would have loved to have had it published. I don't know if she ever would have done it, but I think she would have really liked to have seen it published. And so, you know, I I like to think she would love this. Okay. So interesting. So you actually never intended to publish it. So when you finish writing it and it kind of is your therapeutic, you know, process, you just put it aside and then how... (laughs) here's the now what part of the story is I just fulfilled my mom's dying wish now what and so yeah talk us about how you went about getting it published yeah I mean it was definitely not your typical story um, of somebody publishing a book I never queried it I never contacted an agent I just happened to know somebody who knew a publisher and the my contact actually knew the story behind the book and said I think you need to send this in and here's the contact information and so I sent in the manuscript and they came back and so they wanted to publish it and it's a small press kind of a hybrid press so it's not one of the large five publishers but it's a hybrid press and they made it possible I wouldn't have been able to do this without their help wow what a gift because there's so many authors out there who have the books and their dream is to be you know picked up by a publisher and it's not happening so they eventually decide to self-publish but here you are no intention to publish this and now somebody wants the book Well, you know, that's the thing that's kind of, it's wonderful how the publishing industry has gone because now you can self-publish and you Mm -hmm. do have options of smaller press and hybrid press that allow you to, I mean, I imagine the number of stories that would have never gotten out there that are incredible stories, but because they couldn't get into one of the top five publishers, which 
hiring an agent and going through all that and just getting past the door is virtually impossible, particularly if you're not well known. And let's face it, the majority of us are not well known. Yeah. <laughs> and I can just imagine the stories that wouldn't be out there to read and the people and their brilliant minds that would never be discovered if it wasn't for this avenue of publishing that's open nowadays. Mm-hmm. And I just got lucky, but I mean, I've had so many people say, you know, how did you do it? And really, I mean, I have to say I fell into it. Okay. There was no, there was no way around it, but just not giving up on it is just, I see so many people on Twitter and the writing communities that it just get turned down over and over and over again. And then they want to give up and it's just so sad. You don't want to do that. Yeah. There's somebody out there needs to hear the story and so you got to keep going you got to you know do everything that you possibly can to get that book out there okay so your book is now in the world i have my coffee it's right here (laughs) it's beautiful by the way and i'm so excited to like dive into this and learn about this beautiful character and now that i know the story behind it when i'm reading it i feel like i'm going to be like okay is this the switch point? Is this when it goes from your mom, Marilyn, over to Emily? Like, I wonder if readers will kind of be able to distinguish, you know, the first half. You know, it's funny. Um, nobody has yet. Okay. Okay, good. <laughs> well, I will let you know what I think, and then you can come back and tell me whether I figured it out or not. Well, my publisher doesn't even know. My father knows. Because he was the first one to read it when I fixed when I finished it. He did some grammar editing for me. Because apparently, even though I'm a journalism major, I do not know how to do grammar. And that Oxford comma is just killing me right now. So my father knows. And there is one other person that knows. And I've sworn her to secrecy, you know, pain of death and everything like that. But yeah, I mean, so far, nobody's guessed. And I'm really, really excited about that. That was All one right. of my really big goals. Good. Okay. Well, I will report back after I finish (laughs) reading this beautiful book. So I guess my question is, now what? Now that you have finished fulfilling your mom's dream, finishing the book, getting it published, is there another book in you? Yeah. So many people ask me that. I have an idea for another book and it's actually a spin up on this. It would be telling the story of the parents. Um, Because the parents and their marriage and their story are very, very important to this book. They're the core of this family saga part of this book. And, you know, it's not the perfect marriage, but it is a marriage that is very strong. And so I want to tell the story of how they met and how they got to that point where they had that relationship. And I know that part of the book, Bird of Paradise, alludes to how they met, which is the story of how my parents met, for real. And so it's going to be a little awkward (laughs) to write it. But that's my idea. I have it laid out in my head. I have not been able to get it onto paper. I have tried several times and just I've been very, very busy with life and with work. And so I just haven't had that chance to sit down and really give it a thought. I've gotten a few sentences and then I hit delete and go back. So right now it's a blank page but it's here. That is someday my intention. And I have all the confidence that when the time is right, you'll be able to get it out of your head and onto the page. I hope so. (laughs) I love the fact that it's going to be a prequel. I think that's great. I think that's a way of you continuing this relationship with your mom because now you're going to go and do all this research about your parents' relationship and how they met and conversations with your dad, which I think are going to be extra special now as we all have aging parents, right? And it's this time that we need to really be intentional about having some conversations and getting some of those key stories from them so that you can 
share things with your son mm -hmm. and like just that legacy. So I think it's wonderful that you're going to be able to kind of maybe use this next book to build this new relationship with your dad. Well, and I hope he remembers. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, sometimes pre me, he's a little fuzzy on things. But yeah, I mean, that, and that's, that is the continued gift of this. I don't know if my mom thought maybe I would do it or what, you know, but it is the chance for me to have my dad, like you said, put in, you know, to this, because so much of this book is my mom. So a lot of what I'm hoping will be the prequel can be my dad. We'll see what happens. Love it. Love it. Okay. So anything else you want to share? Anything else you want to tell us about the book? Anything else about this experience that it's been for you? Because normally I ask everybody like, oh, so now what? We've gone through that. And, you know, obviously you don't have anything on paper yet. So if there's somebody out there who is... This is such a unique situation because I don't even know if anyone out there has a dying wish from a parent that they need to fulfill. But if if somebody out there does, you know, have an idea of something they think their parents would have loved to see them do or complete, what would you say to them? I would say do it. Just the knowledge that this is forever going to be around with me and my mom and that I accomplished this for her you know, apart from being immensely proud, I just, I feel this connection to my mom. And, and I think it's important to, you know, do it, fulfill that wish, but you don't have to do it in the exact way that you think, you know, that you think they would have wanted you to do it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be done by an exact time period. It could be decades down the road, you know, but it's just one of those things to keep just that much more of a connection with the people you love. And it never has to be made public. I mean, nobody even needs to know you did it. It can remain inside, yeah. um, which was what this was originally going to do. Yeah. I was about to say, I'm like, unless that publisher came into your life, no one was going to know about Birds of Paradise, <laughs> exactly. right? Awesome. Oh my goodness, Emily, I loved this story so much. It's obviously because of all of the, you know, meaning behind it and the relationship and your mom and... I'm excited to dive in here and learn a little bit more about this tenacious woman who survived, or actually, no, more than survived. She just didn't survive cancer. She lived for so long. So yeah, I'm just excited for me to read this. And we're actually going to give a copy away to somebody. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, make sure you head over to social media. <laughs> Follow me at jess.loves.life. I have a post. There will be a contest. One of you are going to be able to get your very own copy of this book. And if people want to buy it, Emily, where can they find it? Where can they find you? If they want to talk to you, if they want to learn more about writing this or want to buy the book, where can they find it? Yeah, well, it is at Amazon and it's on Kindle. It's Kindle Unlimited as well. And you can buy it in the paperback. And you can find me, the best way to do it is at emilyjohnsonwrites.net. All of my social media links are there as well. I'm pretty active on social media, although I do try and take a break every once in a while. <laughs> but that website um, has an excerpt from the book. It also has a lot of detail about the story behind the book. And there's a lot of pictures of me and my mom on that website that, you know, I wanted to share with people. Some of them are a little embarrassing, but you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's all out there. It's all good. But oh yeah, my goodness. So it's, yeah, you can find it on Amazon. Okay, great. If this episode resonated with you, grab a screenshot of it, tag us in social media, let us know if you want to read this book, and go check out the contest. Reach out to Emily, go purchase the book. Are any of the funds going to like a special cause that was attached to your mom? What are you doing with the profits of this book? What funds would that be? <laughs> True. I guess publishing a book is not an easy endeavor, right? No, it's not. It's not something that you go into to make 
living off of, but I am a very large advocate of sharing my mom's story, kind of doing the PSA of self-checks. And, you know, you have to be an advocate on your health. A doctor can't just tell you, oh, you're sick. You need to tell your doctor something is wrong. You know, don't be afraid of it. I do, you know, a huge amount of tests and I'm high risk. My mom had the BRCA gene. I don't, thankfully, but really just, you know, keeping on top of your health, doing your monthly checks and your yearly appointments. And, you know, we as a family give quite a bit to St. Jude's Hospital simply because, you know, we have a son, a seven-year-old and and God forbid, but that's kind of where we give our main charity donation every year. So I guess in a sense, the proceeds go towards that because whatever little bit I get from the book goes into the checking account and that's written right back out. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. Okay. So guys go to Amazon, check out Birds of Paradise. Emily, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing this beautiful story about you and your mom. And I'm so excited to read this book. Looking forward to the prequel. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was great to talk to you. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, give it a like, give it a share, send it to somebody who you think it will resonate with, who might be going through grief or just needs a real feel-good mother-daughter story today. And that is it from us. We will see you next week for another Now What Wednesday. Bye! Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it more than I can say. Did you love this episode of I Just Blank Now What? If you did, be sure to subscribe on your fave podcast platform. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. I do love reading them. And if you know somebody who's experiencing this story or something similar, please share this episode with them. It just might help them figure out the answers to their own now what questions. Have you recently had a now what moment and aren't sure what to do? Reach out to me at jessicastevens.ca and submit your story and I'll help you figure out what to do how to move forward and help you answer, now what? See you on the next episode.